Hey, welcome to another G2G Classic. I am Beej, and this week uh, we are still going to be out from our normal schedule, and this is one of the first Final Fantasy episodes that we have ever done. It's the first in a three-parter, so as the classics and archive polls like this keep going forward, you'll get to listen to the other two parts of this. Uh, this goes through Void's Final Fantasy playthrough. We talk a lot about the series as a whole, and it's really interesting to go back and see how we felt five years ago versus where the series stands now in 2021. So we hope that you guys enjoy this, and we will talk to you soon. Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where we are powered by baking tonight. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. I've had so much sugar. I've eaten just M&Ms and cake batter. And, and I frosting. made a bunch of cookies today, and I ate a bunch of those cookies that I made. So, <laughs> yes, we're powered by baking tonight. Tonight, we aren't talking about baking. We are talking about Final Fantasy. And we talked about this a That's little bit. That's a weird bit segue. On, yeah, it's, it's all good. Um. We talked about this a little bit on the JRPG episode, and we said we'd come back around and do a whole episode on Final Fantasy. So this is that. And in starting to make some like talking points for this episode, we realized that we have so much to say about Final Fantasy that it's probably better to kind of do an overview first, which is what we're going to do tonight. And then we'd love to swing back around and get really like in-depth about a bunch of our favorite games in the series. So that's where we landed. Tonight we're starting with just kind of our history about Final Fantasy and our overview thoughts about the whole series. So with that said, Beige, what's your abbreviated history here so we can get into the games? Well, my abbreviated history is that I started with Final Fantasy 1 back on the NES when it was just the Nintendo that... I rented Final Fantasy because I thought the box looked cool and I had no idea what was going on because there's really no intro. All of a sudden you have these characters and it's like, hey, pick a team and go out into the world and look for things. And so I'm like, cool, crystals. And so I just went around and fought things because I'm I'm a young kid at this point and I don't know what I'm doing. And then over the years, as, the, as you go to video stores, it turns, I don't know if anybody out there remembers actually going to video stores and getting rentals, but there was one of my favorite video stores that had Final Fantasy 4 and Final or Final Fantasy 2 and Final Fantasy 3 for the Super Nintendo and I just rented them constantly played them over and over again like I did Chrono Trigger and was playing other people's games was playing my own games if somebody deleted my save when they rented it then I started over and so I just played them so much and I love seeing everything about them that I was pretty much just hooked until Final Fantasy 7 came out and I started getting into all of the hype and I talked about that a lot on episode 23 of our JRPG episode where you can go hear me ramble about that and then I've pretty much played all of them but stopped beating them when it came to Final Fantasy 12 because that's really when the series lost me and I felt that they were catering to too many different audiences at one time rather than being the Final Fantasies that I'd come to love during I think you called it at one point the golden age of the PlayStation RPGs where that really solidified it outside of my childhood but yeah, I think about that golden age as like the Final Fantasy 7 through 10 basically yeah and 
12 just didn't feel like it to me. So I've just kind of been a fair weather Final Fantasy fan through then, but I'm getting back into it now where I'm really hoping that 15, when I saw that 15 E3 trailer for the very first time, I pretty much felt the same way I did when I saw the Final Fantasy 7 trailers for the first time that, that I'm really hoping for it to, to be way better than the last couple have been. Well, and the fact that you just picked up a Vita and now you can go back yeah. and replay a bunch of PlayStation classics, that's awesome too. So I look forward to hearing more about that as you go back and kind of play through some backlog stuff. Um, uh-huh. For me, Final Fantasy VII was my first one that I actually got into and I played that. It, it was a little bit after it came out. And I remember right when I beat that, Final Fantasy VIII was about to come out. So I basically played through what I think of as the Final Fantasy Golden Age. But I'm sure I just think about it that way because these were my first ones. So yeah. 7 through 10 was like the core of what I think of as like what Final Fantasy is and was. So that mm-hmm. kind of tinges my thoughts on everything else. Keep that in mind as we talk here. And then I ended up, I tried 11, but I just, I didn't like 11 at all because yeah. I was playing other MMOs at the time that were just better in so many ways i could never <laughs> ever get into 11 and i'll talk about that whenever we do an mmo episode um but 11 just wasn't for me and then i played 12 and 13 as they were released when i came back around and i did my final fantasy project for my blog that's where i played through all of them in order the entire mainline yeah. series all the numbered ones in order except for 11 because like i said i didn't like it and that time when i came through i actually went all the way through 14 so i've beaten 14 the main content and then i also beat everything through heavensward like the initial content when heavensward came out i'm not i'm not up to the latest patch i know there have been a couple content patches since then but i'll probably go back around to that eventually so that's kind of where i'm coming from with final fantasy and i've never played through a lot of the very original ones like you did where you went back and started the very beginning i have never fully beaten one two or three where i've gone through a lot of the other ones and i've beaten most of them one, two, and three, I'd never actually finished at any given time. I've played through them to a certain point each time, but they never could keep me. So I'm, I, w- I want to hear what you're talking about with those three specifically. Yeah, so let's start getting into it. Um, Basically, we're going to go through actually in order here and talk about them in order a little bit. How like the battle systems, the progression systems, the story of each one, just a little bit here. Before we do that, keep in mind that naming and numbering conventions are different from region to region. So things like Eris versus Aerith, you know, and then things like the fact that Final Fantasy VI came out here as Final Fantasy III initially. So when we're talking about the Final Fantasy numbering, we're talking about the full numbering as it is now, now that they've corrected everything and the Japanese numbering lines up with the U.S. numbering. So keep that in mind if you have different numbers in your head from your childhood, <laughs> because yeah. a lot of people do. Not to mention all the spinoffs. There are so many spinoffs <laughs> in this. We're not going to get into those tonight. No. So Final Fantasy One. Um, when I played this, I played the remastered version on iOS, which I know it's out okay. there a couple other places, too. But it got rid of a lot of like the very very old school thinking of things that made it kind of punitive to play so i never had to worry about things like like when you target an enemy with more than one character like let's say you Uh queue up three characters to attack one enemy the first character defeats the enemy and then the other two characters 
would just go to waste like their attack wouldn't hit anything like that was some of the very old school thinking in the original i've never actually played that version of the game it's very hard and that was one of the game boy advance rpgs that i played named golden sun it did that and it turned me completely off of that game as well because it made instead of making battle more strategic it made it more punitive and tedious like you said so it was that kind of that makes me happy i've never played it on ios so them taking that out would elevate the game and make it much easier yeah not easier but easier to get into yeah and i think they've released versions lots of versions since then that kind of fix a bunch of those issues and bring it more in line with the rest of the series but the main thing that the first game defines is that you pick a party it has a bunch of the traditional jobs that we're all used to now from the final fantasy series and you just level them up and in doing so you have to go and it has like basically that four crystals story and this is a story that gets repeated over and over again throughout the series in different ways they use crystals in a bunch of different ways but the main story that gets repeated is that there are four crystals on whatever planet you happen to be on and they're losing their power or they're shattering or they're breaking or there's something wrong with these four crystals (laughs) and your party happens to be the warriors of light and you have to go around and fix the crystals or put them back together or find them or whatever it is for that particular game but four crystals and then usually four warriors of light and go deal with it save the world that's kind of final fantasy at its core for a lot of these games near the beginning sometimes it's far more interesting than other times where you can get into it and it's not a cliche and it doesn't seem like it's just set dressing like it does in final fantasy one yeah and one doesn't have a whole lot of story and that's okay it's just Mm -hmm. kind of it's the humble beginnings of the series so i'm glad i went back and i played it but it's like there's not a whole lot there to recommend to somebody who hasn't already played most of the series like it's cool to go back and see where it came from but it's not fantastic on its own does that make sense it does yeah because i i feel the same way about it i pick it up occasionally and start it just to be like oh that's kind of cool and then i never play any more of it and yeah. i always think it's interesting about one that it actually came out originally in japan on the nes disc system when they were using basically five and a quarter inch floppy disks for uh a peripheral for the nintendo and when they ported it to america it was on a cartridge for the first time because we didn't get the disc system oh that's but right it, the japanese version of it didn't have like the battery backup for save games like that did because it was using the magnetic discs I don't know, I just think that's cool too because Final Fantasy was such an experiment that caught on that even the console that it came out on was an experiment. And one of the trends that you see with Final Fantasy, it's not necessarily worth mentioning game by game, but it really tries to be like the graphics leader in the genre if not the industry yeah every time it comes out it tries to have the best graphics possible for a jrpg and a lot of the times they're pushing like the graphical limits of every other game in that generation it's not true for every single final fantasy but it's true for a lot of them especially the mainline games so it's interesting to keep your eye on that as you move into like final fantasy 2 final fantasy 2 is weird i mean every final fantasy reinvents itself (laughs) if you guys don't know this every final fantasy basically has a different job system maybe slightly different battle systems some of them have radically different battle systems you don't have to play them in order because there's no continuous story um if if you're not a big gamer you might not realize that but 
every Final Fantasy stands on its own unless it's specifically numbered weird. So there's like 10 right. and then there's 10 2, which is a sequel. But those those are odd and those are far between. Most of them just kind of stand on their own. But they do have things that tie the series together that they will all have the same kinds of monsters or there will always be a character named Sid or there will always be a there will always be Moogles or Mogs of some kind in it where they may f- perform different functions in the world, but they will always be there to tie it together as kind of like genre conventions do where you have spaceships in science fiction you have sid in final fantasy yeah you're gonna have chocobos you're gonna have moogles probably you know these things carry over and honestly you could pick like any one of those things and do an entire podcast on it like we could sit Mm -hmm. here all night and talk about the different sids and how they compare or the different (laughs) yeah the different ways that like chocobos are treated and maybe we will if you guys are interested in hearing about that later but not tonight (laughs) so because we can if you want to hear about it let us know yeah we definitely can so final fantasy 2 is even compared to all the other ones it's kind of an odd one out because the way that you level up is by using your skills so the more you use any one skill the higher level it gets so if you just always do a melee attack your character's melee attack is going to go up in power until the point where it's just overpowered but there are weird things about the system too. Like if you want your character's health to go up, your character has to take damage and they have to take enough damage that it registers so their health goes up. So if you don't take enough damage early on, then you get to later battles where guys will basically do like a one hit kill to you and you can get screwed over that way. Wow, I actually forgot completely about the getting hit. I knew about the skills leveling up individually and how all of that worked, but I did forget about getting hit. Yeah, and you know, you see this in games today like Morrowind, you know, or like Oblivion, like the Elder Scrolls games are a really good example of this done much better than it was here. But Final Fantasy 2 did it before, I mean, I don't know if any games did it before Final Fantasy 2, maybe, but there weren't a whole lot of them. And if they are, they aren't in the JRPG genre for the most part. FF2, the only other really interesting thing about FF2 is it has this keyword system. Did you ever get far enough to see that? I don't remember it if I did because that is completely like not registering for me at all. It has been years since I even touched too and I did not get very far. Okay, so the way that it works is that you might have to like if if somebody sends you on a quest from point A to point B, really the next main thing that you might have to do to trigger the next part of the story is deliver a specific keyword to somebody to the exact person who just gave you the quest at point A, right? So okay. they send you off And you have to, like in gameplay terms, you might have to give them a keyword when you come back. You might have to say one specific word to them that triggers the next part of like the quest dialogue. Oh. But you have to go out in the world and discover that keyword, usually by doing whatever they asked you to do. Yeah. So you go to point B, you do a thing, and then maybe somebody else gives you the keyword. So you come back to point A and spout that keyword back to the first person. And it triggers the next thing. But like oh, if good. you ever played EverQuest, do you remember how you yeah, could just that's like, actually what I was thinking about of just spitting random words at NPCs to see if they gave me anything. Yeah, and it's kind of similar, except you can't manually type out the words. They get saved in your inventory yeah. almost as if they're like key items. And then huh. you can only pick from the ones that you already know. So that's a system that doesn't really ever make a return to the series. Two is really odd in a lot of ways. Yeah, they were experimenting to see if they could change it, I guess, and then realized what worked and what didn't. Because this one never came out in America. This was one that didn't release for a very long time in America. And then it got ported over when the Final Fantasy series got got popular here. And 
I played that one also on iOS and Android. I actually, when I went back and I played my whole series um, from start to finish, I played one through six on iOS. So I played all of those either on my phone or on my iPad or on a combination of the two. So my memories are all of these remastered games. One changes the most about it, but all of them kind of have remastered graphics and some tweaks to make them better. Actually, Final Fantasy 3 and 4 are complete conversions to 3D, which the original ones were 2D. So I never played those original versions, but the gameplay systems are basically the same underneath it. And I thought that the 3D remasters were a little more interesting than the 2D, depending on... I love the 6 remaster when we get to it, but the 3D remasters, I really think, made them feel like a... made them feel like a completely new game, but... I don't know. They're they're weird. The 3D remasters played like an old game, but looked like a new game at the time. Yeah, they're kind of interesting. So Final Fantasy 3 is the first one of those that I played. It's a 3D remaster of FF3. Final Fantasy 3 is a lot like Final Fantasy 1 in many, many ways. It's basically the same story. You know, it's the crystals and it's the warriors of light. Um, the most notable thing about 3 is that it's the first job system like in any of the Final Fantasies. And you'll see the job system reemerge in different ways. Uh, but this is where it first is. And going back to it's really hard because there's a bunch of punitive parts about it in Final Fantasy yeah. 3. Like when you change a job, it doesn't actually take effect correctly all the way until you play like a bunch of battles, like 10 or 15 battles to switch a job completely. So if you need to mix and match your party suddenly for a boss, you have to go grind. There's no other choice because you have to like do all your switches and then go grind until it actually switches your jobs. It's it's weird. It's where they first experiment with the job system, but it doesn't really it, it doesn't coalesce all the way. No, and it's this one was the most punitive game of the series. And I'll mention it later on when I know in our talking points that I have this down. But 3 was remastered on the DS in 3D first. I think that was the first one that it came out in 3D for was the uh, Nintendo DS. And I got it super excited about this new 3D remaster, and I hated it. That it was just awful. The job system like that was painful. The the buying spells and things was obnoxious. That it felt so dated even though it looked so pretty that i i hated it it put me off of jrpgs and in general at that point that was when i stopped playing them for a very very long time because if that was what they were doing was remastering these old games i wanted no part of it that i was used to final fantasy 5's job system and things like that that work much better and i did and final fantasy 10 2 things like that and this first iteration of it i was not a fan of it really was just entirely too tedious and to be able to go grind because that is my least favorite thing about JRPGs in general and specifically Final Fantasy is when it gets to the point where I have to spend hours and hours and hours and hours just grinding and not able not able to do anything else yeah that's when a lot of these games lose me for a while until I come back yeah and Final Fantasy 3 I mean it's actually my least favorite. It kind of threw me out of my um, Final Fantasy project when I was playing through in order. I stopped yeah. on this one for like a year and a half before I came back around and beat it and then moved on. 
It's, oh wow, that long. It's that long. Yeah, Final Fantasy three is the only Final Fantasy game that I am one hundred percent sure I will never go back and play again. Like, yeah. <laughs> I I tell everyone to steer clear of it. If unless you've literally played every other game in the series and you just want it for the context, like I did, do not play Final Fantasy three. It's not a good one. Everything it does is done better in other games that you should play instead. So moving on from that one, Final Fantasy 4. Did you ever play 4? Oh, I love 4. 4 is one of them that I rented all the time as a kid that I loved 4. That 4, when I got my first, when they released the 3D remaster of it, I bought it on release day to play through. I just absolutely adore Final Fantasy 4. Cool. So I really liked it when I played back through it because I had just played 1, 2, and 3, and Final Fantasy 4 is the first one that has a real story, in my opinion. Yes. And I know it's debatable for, you know, other people say that one two and three have stories but i think this is the first real story that's actually enjoyable and not just kind of thrown onto some battle systems you know as an yeah, afterthought it's the one that feels like i care about the characters right that they're that they are unique people instead of these these characters and archetypes that i name and move through a narrative they have their own motivations for the first time yeah they're actually characters instead of just being a job kind of yeah and it's interesting because this is the first final fantasy where they tie characters to specific jobs and they will go back and forth on this throughout the games sometimes the Mm -hmm. characters don't have any job and you can kind of make them whatever you want them to be which is you know what final fantasy you know that's what they started as that's where that was the original concept of you have these four people that and you can have any combination of however you want them to be just you know play the game with them and do what you want right and so final fantasy 4 actually ties your class to a character and then some of those tie directly into the story you know the summoner plays a big part in the story so does the fact that you start as a dark knight and i mean a little bit of spoilers here but if you haven't played it by now like you know whatever and it Um, only takes the very it doesn't take very long to get to the spoiler you're about to say it might take two or three hours yeah so your main character cecil starts as a dark knight and he actually ends up like renouncing the dark knight job and becoming a paladin over the course of the game so they directly tie the jobs to the characters to the story in a really really good way for the first time in the series and honestly when that is happening it is something that I can't think of another game that does a change like that where you get used to a party with certain abilities and it completely removes it from you like that. Yeah, it's I thought it was really well done. Once we get to Final Fantasy V, it's kind of interesting because it's almost like a step forward in terms of like the battle and the job system and a step backwards mm-hmm. in terms of story. So I would say yeah. four has a better story than five because all those things are tied together so well. Five, yeah. it has a story, but it's just kind of there in service to like pushing, you know, the game forward. And it's yeah. fine. It's okay. But it, it's not bad. It's just there. Five story is very generic fantasy. There that you go. When you play it, you it it's there and there is a story and there are individual characters that are playing their parts. But whereas, you know, like you were saying with four, you have, you know, Cecil moving along and, you know, changing his entire job. That was, you know, and that changed his personality. Five is just like, 
I'm the daughter of the king, and I'm gonna do this because the crystal. It, it was they had, and they had like my sister things and pirates. It's just I don't know. It it's so generic that I never cared about any of the people in it. It is. It's a step back towards Final Fantasy three and Final Fantasy one. Back to that right. core story of the four warriors of light and the four crystals and dealing with all of that stuff again. But the redeeming part about five, which makes it actually a really good game, is this is where they first nail the job system. This completely is, nail. It is awesome. It is so well done. And um, if you guys remember a couple months ago when I was doing the four job fiesta, this is the game that the four job fiesta is all built around because there are so many different jobs. They are all viable in some way or another. So the fact that you can mix and match them and beat the game with any four jobs, which is what four job fiesta is all about, that challenge run I did, it, it just blows me away. So this is where they nail the job system. So if you've ever been interested in just like the battle system or, and the progression system of Final Fantasy jobs, and you want to see it done really well, go back and play five because it's fantastic. And I'm actually the, you know, we're not going to talk about 10-2 very much, if at all. And I think that its dress-up system, I can't remember if that's actually what it's called or not, the costume system, that plays every bit as well as the job system in Final Fantasy V in terms of depth and being able to do whatever you want. That I really enjoyed being able to play with the costumes in 10-2. Yeah, I would say that 10-2 is a direct, like, descendant of this game. And then also, if you really want, like, the next direct evolution from final fantasy 5 bravely default is that game it is ah. it is the best final fantasy game that's not actually a final fantasy game and it started out as a final fantasy game but it diverged enough that they actually took the name off of it and gave it its own series name because they didn't know how it was going to do but yeah. if you play bravely default or bravely second they are a direct lineage from final fantasy 5 there's no question about it as soon as you get in there and you see how their job system is set up you go oh this is five but evolved in a very interesting way awesome that i've been wanting to play them for a long time so when i get to them that is wonderful for me to know because i knew a little bit about them that you've told me but i actually didn't know they had a job system like that yeah so five's really good we should probably keep moving on final fantasy six I would say the best part about this one is it's the first in-depth story. So if Final Fantasy IV has the first real story that's not just kind of an afterthought, Final Fantasy VI has the first in-depth story that people still hold on to today and can like yeah. actually you know, affect you emotionally in interesting ways. This is one of them that was released as Final Fantasy III in the United States. So we skipped... Final Fantasy 2 and 3 from Japan. Final Fantasy 4 was released as 2 over here. We didn't get 5, and then we got 6 as 3. So when I was renting Final Fantasy 3 on this one, and I loved it, but I did not understand what was going on. I was playing through these stories and this in-depth character-driven narrative that was dealing with right and wrong and war and these existential crises that these people were having about their lives and existence, and I didn't get any of it. And then as an adult playing through it, you look at it as like, wow, that, 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 that is astonishingly well done for what was like 1992, 93, sometime like that, yeah. with the technology that they had, with these sprites jumping up and down that could have looked comical, it did not. It never felt 
as though it were out of place and it was truly a good translation and story altogether like it was it was an epic story that is novel worthy and i would say that final fantasy 6 is actually the first and maybe the best like mature story out of all the final fantasy games yeah it might and you know thinking back it's hard because you have the pixel graphics right some of it loses like the impact of like a modern 3d game where everything just looks beautiful but if you just think about the story in isolation, I would say that Final Fantasy VI might have the most mature story out of any Final Fantasy in the entire series. And saying that, there are reasons. Like, there are... Okay, this has spoilers for the game, but again, if you haven't played these games by now, we're going to talk about spoilers while we go through this. You get through World 1, and your party fails. Your first world is destroyed, and there's an apocalypse, and that is dark. Like, that is yeah. super dark. And you get to World 2. You start on World 2 isolated on an island with just Celeste and Sid. And if you don't manage to get enough food for Sid, which is very hard to do, by the way. You can do it, but it's hard to do. Sid will die, and Celeste will try to kill herself. Like, this is a mature story. And... Even before that, whenever I can't even remember his name right now, and I just played it, uh, the samurai. Who do you when you get him early on? What is his name? He he really affected me because his family gets killed in an attack on his castle, and then you he gets on a ghost train as he's trying to go, you know, def, you know, avenge them, and he sees their spirits going onto the phantom train and moving on into the next world, and you see him chase this train down the. Tra- tracks you know trying not to let his family go and realize he's never going to see them again and it's just heartbreaking that these like you said these 2d graphics where it could you know not have the impact that the 3d realistic ones could i was just so sad i just i was playing it on the ios and i just sat my phone down that it was just like man i feel really really bad right now and i would actually say that If we were to have one Final Fantasy that was rebuilt from the ground up and completely redone with the same story, I would actually pick this one over Final Fantasy VII. And I know VII is getting the remaster, and I'm excited for it, and I'm going to play it, and you'll hear about it, I'm sure. Absolutely. if I could pick, personally, I would pick this game. This game is due for, like, just a new generation of people just being able to get the story, even if they change the gameplay, which I know is kind of heresy in some ways. But (laughs) still, I love this story. Yeah. Um, The other things about this that we should mention before we move on, it has the first extra characters that you can miss. There are a ton of party members you can pick up in this game more than any other of the games up to this point. And Mm -hmm. you can miss a bunch of them if you don't go out of your way to do specific things. Like one of the cool things that I always think of is that you can you get Shadow, who's a ninja, which is cool anyway. But if you don't wait for him at the end of World One, when the apocalypse is about to happen, if you don't wait until like the last seconds and hope that he comes back, you will lose him forever because you didn't wait and he died in the apocalypse. Like, it's dark, but it's missable. But it's also really cool that if you wait, you can get him for the whole rest of the game. It's it's cool. And then the second world is like an open world. You can kind of approach it however you want. Um, The first world is much more linear. It drives you along a path. The second world opens up and it's kind of yours to explore and rebuild your party from scratch. I'd forgotten about that. You know, rebuilding the party part. I remember flying in the airship all around doing all of the stuff. I'd forgotten having to rebuild the party because I haven't gotten to that point on iOS yet. Yeah. I got the Vita and started playing stuff on there. Yeah, basically Celis kind of like drags herself out of her depression and 
decides yes we we have to like get the party back together yeah. so you, you rebuild your party but it's in an open world in a very interesting way and you don't even have to rebuild the party completely before you go beat the game which is also fascinating so yeah and that's a that's a first for this as well to be able to do something you know not even optional but just to have something incomplete which is what they allow they move into that with chrono trigger actually being able to beat the game before you do things so in terms of games that we might come back and do a full episode on final fantasy 6 is definitely up there on our list um oh yeah moving on to final fantasy 7 we talked about this a lot in the jrpg episode i mean so let's not dive too deep here but it was genre defining for 3d jrpgs there were no games like this before and maybe even for the playstation itself that i honestly don't know if the playstation one would have been as successful if final fantasy 7 had come out on the nintendo 64 like it was originally planned that is a really good point on the 64 we'd probably be even bigger nintendo fans than we are now because the 64 and gamecube and everything else would have been where the final fantasy games stayed absolutely the technological difficulties you know of putting it on a cartridge made it go to the playstation And I really, really think personally that that was why the PlayStation took off because it was so new, so defining of what video games could be and the potential they had that that Final Fantasy VII really directed the entire course of the industry. Yeah, and I don't know if the numbers back it up, but it definitely feels like Final Fantasy VII was a system seller, which I think is what Mm -hmm. you're kind of getting at here. So that's something to keep in mind for sure is that this was huge the other thing about ff7 to not dive in too far on the story because this would this is definitely one that we can come back and do a whole episode on later but ff7 is where the cutscenes in the final fantasy games really begin to like blow us away and they and the summons as well because you would get because you've talked about the graphics that they always tried to be the leaders on and you would have summons that had you know bigger sprites better animations for part of battle but this one was where they basically were their own cinematics for the game inside battle itself oh yeah that was really cool and it's like from this point on final fantasy really tries to blow us away with graphics and you know it to some extent they tried to do that with like the sprite graphics before but this was like the first really big 3d jrpg and it defined you know a generation it defined a genre in a way because it was like this huge 3d jrpg they took this and they iterated on it with final fantasy 8 and final fantasy 9 so final fantasy 8 um instead of having like these kind of cartoonish proportions for the characters in the overworld, like we had with FF seven, final fantasy eight is the first one where you get like actual human proportion ones. And if you go back and you look at the graphics in this game and FF eight, they are not high res. Like it's hard to tell that people are people. Sometimes you can't really zoom in and see someone's face, but you can definitely like while they're moving, you can tell, Oh yeah, that's a person, which is cool. FF eight has a junction system, which doesn't exist anywhere else in the series. It's really fascinating, and it's also extremely broken. Like, Oh, you can completely break your party into being so overpowered if you know what you're doing. I did. I figured it out early and just basically breezed through the rest of the game. 
Yeah, and it, they have the GF system, which is Guardian Forces. So instead of doing these massive summons in Final Fantasy VIII, mm-hmm. you have these Guardian Forces that you can junction to people, and then you can summon them. But actually, if you start to learn the junction system, you realize that summoning them is probably not even the best way to go about it. You can play the whole game without summoning anyone and be just fine. Um, and what happens with the Guardian Forces, if I'm remembering right, you may have to correct me because I haven't played this one since it came out, that with Guardian Forces, they replace your party, and you can try Control that particular creature for the duration, right? No, you're thinking about Final Fantasy ten. No, wait. Oh, am I okay? No, I don't. Um, Guardian forces in eight are just like a summon. That wait, maybe you're right. I'm trying to remember now. I don't remember which game that is now. Oh, it's been See, so long since I played either of those. The problem is that the last time that I played FF eight, I totally abused the junction system. I broke the game as much as i could i did a low level yeah. run with junctioning i didn't summon an, a guardian force the entire game like wow i i know that i just said that you could could make it through the game without doing that i actually did that because i didn't need to like you can do low level runs in final fantasy 8 which i guess is another interesting thing all of the like monsters and bosses in this game scale to your level so you can play this game i think you can technically play it without ever leveling up maybe you have to get the first level or two depending on that first mission um yeah i didn't go that hardcore because you have to do some crazy things but i did a low level (laughs) run i think my highest level character was level 17 when i beat the game and wow you know that was one character i think all my other characters were 15 or lower which was really interesting to do i've never even thought of or heard of that but you absolutely could with the junction system like i did it just about midway through where i realized what was up and i just junctioned all sorts of stuff i think i got ultima and just powerhouse my way through but yeah you could do it at low levels with pretty much anything yeah, and I guess I should say what the junction system is, whereas like um, Final Fantasy VII, I know we kind of glossed over it because we talked about it a lot in the JRPG episode, but Final Fantasy VII, you have the materia system, so you get equipment, and then you can take these magical spheres and um, e- like basically like insert them into the equipment, and that's how you get your magic and some special abilities and stuff. Final Fantasy VIII, basically you draw magic out of creatures, or you can take cards and convert cards into magic, and you have this big po- stockpile of magic, and instead of putting it on gear, or weapons you take your magic and you junction it to the stats of your characters so you could take a super powerful attack spell and junction it to your attack stat and then when you will attack with a physical attack it does more damage that's kind of the basics i mean yeah you you really have to go read about it if you want to break the game the way i did last time but those are (laughs) the highest level basics it's interesting because there's no other junction system in Final Fantasy. It's another one-off, just like two. You know, they never really went back to this concept. I think a lot of that is because it got such a bad rap from players that people either loved it or absolutely thought it was the worst thing that had ever happened to the series. That I heard so many people complain about junctioning and how boring and terrible it was, and I'm sitting here one-hit killing pretty much everything because I spent 30 minutes drawing Ultima off of an island. And <laughs> it, it was just... I mean, I don't understand... I thought it was fun that figuring out like you said in another podcast where you like breaking game systems and figuring them out i do that was what i did with eight when i figured that out i was like oh this is how i'm gonna win this is cool this is fun and other people complain about it i'm like i love eight eight is one of the best final fantasies you just have to like 
recognize that it's not playing like seven as a follow-up to seven people were disappointed and for me i was like cool this is different than seven and just enjoyed everything about it pretty much yeah so i like eight a lot um the other thing to say about it before we move on it's a like a time travel time manipulation story and i am a sucker for time travel stories this isn't exactly time travel it's kind of like this weird time manipulation thing but it's really fascinating and squall who's the main character there's a theory out there called the squall is dead theory and i love reading about that it basically says that squall dies at the end of disc one so there's a big event that happens at the end of disc one in disc two he just kind of wakes up and he's fine but there's a theory that he dies right there and the rest of the game is his fantasy about how his life could have turned out like basically happening in his brain in the last moments before his death. And then the very oh, last yeah. cutscene of the game is him finally like having brain death, essentially. And oh, wow. It, I mean, there are holes in it, but it's actually really, really interesting. And I love reading about it. So if you're interested in that, either wait till we eventually do a Final Fantasy VIII episode or just go Google Squall is Dead theory and it will pop up. Um, Holy cow. <laughs> moving on to Final Fantasy IX. This Yay, is my nine. Yeah, nine is my favorite. And I know you've been playing it recently. Nine is my favorite as well. I I just I'm playing it right now. Not not this very second, but I downloaded it on Vita and I've just been playing it in my spare time. And it reminds me exactly how much I loved it before that it is a fantastic game. It really is. And the coolest thing about nine, in my opinion, is that it's a throwback to everything that happened before it. And it's, yes. it's really the setting is a throwback to Final Fantasy 1 through 5. So if you think about like the settings, that high fantasy setting, you know, the crystals, things like that. Um, once you get to Final Fantasy 6, they start moving into more futuristic. So Final Fantasy 6 is kind of this Magitech world where like magic powers well, machinery. Yeah. And then Final Fantasy 7 is like... Um, the power of the earth gets harvested for basically like high-tech sci-fi stuff. And then Final Fantasy VIII is one more step forward that's kind of modern technology mixed with sci-fi technology. So it's all of these futuristic games. And then Final Fantasy IX comes and throws you right back to high fantasy. But they do it with everything they've learned from the series from one through eight. And I think it's evident that like this is where they mastered the PlayStation 1. They knew what the limits were. They knew how to design a game around it. I know some people hate the graphics, but I think the graphics were a deliberate choice because they knew the limits of what they could do on that system and they designed the characters to it. And that is amazing to me. Yeah, and I don't understand anyone hating the graphics. That I'm playing it right now, and I'm playing it on Vita. I'm not playing the HD remaster that they did. I'm playing the PS1 original. And now, I haven't put it on the TV, to be fair. I have not put it on the regular TV. I've been playing it on the Vita, and it is pretty like the animations are still so well done they don't look jerky and they don't look they don't look like so many older games when you go back and play them you you're like oh man i used to think this looked great right but this is this is awful why did i think this was pretty that i'm watching vivi hop around and all of these things happen and i'm like wow this is this is wonderfully well done like this is good work that they did you're exactly right that they knew how to use the playstation one and the only complaint that I've had with the graphics so far is the same thing that you said about uh, Final Fantasy VIII is that occasionally you 
can't really make out their faces. That the textures don't allow for that, just because you know the quality of thir- of the 32-bit graphics. But their heads are kind of big, and I yeah. mean, but it's a it's a graphical choice. It's like looking at the Wind Waker, like the Wind Waker. It's like looking at Wind Waker and knowing that when people complained about the cell shaded graphics when it was new, and then afterward people just rave about them. The other thing with FF9 in terms of graphics that's really interesting is that 7, 8, and 9 were all kind of made the same way um, in their approach to graphics. So they have 3D characters that are basically placed on top of a 2D pre-drawn background and you move throughout this 2D environment with 3D characters. And then when you make it to the overworld, the whole world is 3D. Yes. And 7, 8, and 9 are all very similar in this regard and they all have the same structure. By the time they get to Final Fantasy 9, those like hand-drawn backgrounds that are 2D are just gorgeous they are gorgeous oh my goodness and i don't know if you've ever looked but somebody found the originals online (gasps) or like on um i don't think they're on the disc but they found them somewhere in old assets and they were able to basically like restore what the original images looked like before they were compressed for the game and those things yeah google those after we're done talking here because those things are gorgeous so holy moly because i've been just admiring them the entire time just looking at them sometimes because they're it's so pretty like i love the 2d pre-rendered backgrounds i started playing xenogears on vita first and when i started up nine and i saw the pre-rendered backgrounds that was what made me choose it because they were so much prettier than the overworld and the just world around you in xenogears even though the battles are fantastic that it was these these pre-rendered 2D painted backgrounds that just made me just fall in love. Between oh, yeah. that and the animations, I'm enjoying this game way more than almost any game I've played in a very, very, very long time. And I would say um, Final Fantasy IX is probably at the very top of our list about games to do an entire episode on do like a playthrough with you guys and get other people involved so we'll circle back around to final fantasy 9 at some point i guarantee that um moving on to final fantasy 10 so speaking of those 2d rendered backgrounds with 3d characters on top of them final fantasy 10 is the first playstation 2 game it's the first final fantasy game that's basically entirely 3d all of the environments and characters and everything you see in the game are 3D, except for, you know, maybe stuff way back in the distance, like, you know, skyboxes and things. This is the first 3D Final Fantasy game, and the graphics were just amazing. And it had the first voice acting of the series. I mean, it was the first in a lot of ways, you know, and I just remember the graphics blew me away at the time. The voice acting, it blew me away at the time. Going back to it, <laughs> I'm kind of like, oh, we thought this was good voice acting at one point. Yeah. I booted it up. The Vita that I bought on Craigslist came with Final Fantasy X. So I played through to the through the very beginning of it until I got to a point where I could save. And man, the voice acting. It is melodramatic and overdone. It fits the game. Don't get me wrong, you guys. It fits the tone of the game and it works very, very well, I think. But it is not the quality of what I remembered it being. No, and at the time it was more revolutionary because we barely had right. any voice acting in games. And mm-hmm. now going back, you're like, yeah, it's it's okay, but it's not yeah, it's great. Fine. And the story in this one was really cool. Um, you know, we could get very in depth with the story, but it's a well done story in the series. And then the coolest part is probably, or maybe not the coolest, but like the most unique part about Final Fantasy X is the sphere grid, which is yeah. their progression system. Essentially. 
all of your characters, instead of being assigned a job, they start at one specific point on this giant grid called the sphere grid. And you use your like ability points, which is what you get from battles, basically, right? Instead of like leveling up, you get these points to travel along the grid and unlock the next like sphere, essentially. And when you unlock that sphere, you can, you know, activate it and increase your character's power. So all of your characters start at different points on this grid. And you can kind of follow the path that's pretty obvious from where your character starts and be like, oh, okay, so this guy is good at attacking like enemies with heavy armor. This person's good at magic. This person is good at being quick attacks, you know? But you don't have to. You can go outside of the predetermined path and there are like locks essentially that you can spend to jump outside of that path and make the characters however you want if you're willing to work for it. Yeah, it takes a lot of extra grinding and a lot of extra time to do that, but you absolutely can. And I may I didn't choose it, but when I started it on the Vita, that there is an I saw that there is an option to basically turn off default sphere grid leveling. And basically, does it allow you to start from anywhere or how does that work? Because I didn't choose it because I wanted to play it like I did before. Yeah, there's a different system, and I think it was in the international release. So it wasn't right. in the one that we got because I don't think the US ever got the one that was called like international release, which is always funny. I don't think so um when we don't get the international one even though we're not the home country for the game yeah we're technically the international from the original yeah but it does something like that where i don't think you maybe you all start in the middle or you can pick where your person starts it's something weird or they don't have the same locks on the path so it's easier to like jump out of your path there's something different about it where it's easier to kind of make each character whatever you want them to be that's what i took it to be and i wanted to stay on the path because if that was how i'd played it before and i actually enjoyed the sphere grid that way yeah i love the sphere grid so probably keep moving on final fantasy 11 this was the first mmo final fantasy and it is the only one that well you can't beat an mmo anyway but in the mainline final fantasy games this is the only one that i did not beat i just i did not like this game at all like like I said, this was the game where I was playing other MMOs that were so much better. To go back and try to like force my way through this game was just painful. Like I'm never going to do it unless there's some kind of rumored single player version that they might remaster and remake and release eventually. And if they end up doing that, like I might give it a shot, but it depends what it looks like. Like I just I'm not a fan of this game. I would maybe give it a shot if there were a single player version, but I don't know. I was pretty much burned the same way you were with it, that I was in the middle of playing other MMOs that were better. And my friends and I all bought it. We wanted to play it. And we heard that there was a story, which, you know, there is that you can get involved in, but you can't even get involved with the story at the very beginning because you're too low level and you can't play anything alone. Once you get to a certain point, I want to say it's around level 10. You cannot do anything anything alone and you are pretty much forced to group up and it is essentially garbage for me at that point (laughs) that when I have a few minutes to play a game even when I was in college and I had time to play a game I was doing stuff alone because I might be waiting on my friends to go to lunch or something instead of having to get like stand in the middle of town or the middle of this zone, group up with somebody and make sure that we had a white mage and a red mage and all of this so that we didn't die. Like it was grouping up for a raid at level 12. And that was something that is a very 
definitely a very Eastern MMO take on things, that that is something that Eastern MMOs really, really go into is having that kind of hardcore group dynamic. And as a Western MMO player who ended up falling in love with WoW because of just how much polish and simplicity it had, I was having none of it. Yep, Final Fantasy XI, I just, I just ran away. Yeah, and I basically did the same. Like, it didn't fit in my lifestyle at all then to have that forced grouping. Like, I just didn't have time and the energy for it, and now it definitely doesn't fit in my lifestyle. So both of us bounced off FF11 pretty hard. Um, and the obviously, the problems that we're talking about here are MMO problems. They're not, like, the Final Fantasy part of it right. that are problems. It's MMO stuff. So Final Fantasy twelve was back to being a single-player game, which <laughs> yes. I loved it for. But it's weird because it feels like a single-player MMO. It feels like they wanted yeah, to make another MMO, but they wanted to do it with just one person. And <laughs> yeah, um, to do that, it has this system called the Gambit system, which I think is the most interesting part of the entire game. The Gambit system essentially is like a programmable interface for all of your characters. So you can set up, like as, as a developer, as a programmer, it's very interesting for me. You can basically set up conditions that will trigger your characters to do certain things. So for example at basics you might say like detect enemy nearest me and then attack them right that's a very basic one you can set up but then you can set up things like if anybody in the party is under 30 percent health give them this exact heal spell right yeah the more you go through the game the more gambit slots you open up which means you have more room to do programming so if you are playing this game correctly you basically never actually participate in battle yourself you do not pause the game. Right. You don't have to take over. You have done the work beforehand to program your characters correctly. And when you get into battle, you literally just set the controller down. So the even game for your main character, even, even for the one you're controlling. Yeah, because you don't control them. Like if you're controlling them, it is suboptimal. No question okay. asked. The best way, like the most efficient way and the way that like, honestly, if you try to do it manually, you'll realize that the game is not designed for that. The game is designed <sighs> to define it beforehand. So, yeah, it, it becomes basically you program your characters and then just set your controller down. That's my biggest complaint about it, even though it's an interesting system. I, I feel like the pacing is really off in this game. You didn't beat this one, did you? Have you ever played through it? No. I've never played through it and I I'm really torn on it because I want to play through it because I know enough about it that the story is truly phenomenal that I know that the narrative that's being weaved woven weavy woven wobbly weavy that it is fantastic that I've heard so many good things but it feels empty to me. That wandering around the zones where you're battling and you're traveling between cities, basically the world map that's not necessarily a world map, it it feels like I'm running through the barrens. It feels like I'm running through an MMO zone that the developers didn't put enough mobs in and that I never run into another person. That it always feels so desolate to me that I ended up quitting because I mean there were enemies that were chasing me down to the zone lines it truly felt like a single player MMO and as much as I play solo MMOs this one just did not get me but I was also I didn't understand the gambit system when I was playing this that I mean I understood it obviously I mean it's not overly complicated but I didn't necessarily understand that give it enough time to understand, I guess, that I was supposed to program everything in like that rather than just a handful of, I don't even think of the word, just a handful of certain situations that I wanted to prepare for. Yeah, no, instead I, I of get pretty what you're much saying. everything. Like, 
I got to a certain point in the game, it's probably two thirds of the way through, and I understood the gambit system enough that I basically found this area where guys spawned endlessly. I set up yeah. my gambit so that my characters would not die, and I just left it on overnight, and I leveled up like 30 or 40 levels, and then I just destroyed the rest Good of the home. game. Yeah, so you just have to program them correctly, and maybe it's because I'm a developer, maybe because programming just clicks with me that this very much makes sense, but yeah, if you're manually playing it, like the game isn't designed to be played that way you can like you can for sure but it's not fun that way it's not no and so my problem with this is actually not that system so much as even though it does get boring once you kind of have your everything locked into the gambit system but you said it has a really good story i don't think it does really yeah it has an epic story because it's a story of nations and it it's these warring nations and you can tell that there are these huge like things of intrigue happening behind the scenes but the problem is your main characters never directly engage with it they're kind of on the sidelines and the problem is when they made this game the main characters were supposed to be ash and bosk they stripped that out they added our two main characters that we get vaughn and Penelo. Those were added as an afterthought. Those really? were not supposed to. Yeah, you're per, they are not the protagonist of the story, even though they're treated like it. They're treated like the yeah. protagonist. They're treated like they're important. You could remove Vaughn and Pinello and not lose anything of the story at all. Why did they do that? Because I didn't know this. I had absolutely no idea about that. So Vaughn and Pinello were added explicitly because they thought that people needed a younger hero to latch on to. Uh, okay. And Ash and Bosk are both, they're not that old. They're like late 20s or early 30s, but they just came off of these Final Fantasy games where mm-hmm. there was always like teenagers to grasp onto. So they had, they felt like they had to add these teenagers into the game. And I just, I hate it. As soon as I figured that out, when I read that, it all clicked for me. And I said, oh, that's what I hated about the story. My character never felt like they actually engaged with the main story. I always felt like I was watching it from the sidelines. And it's almost like the droids in Star Wars, huh. except yeah. not done as well. Like the droids in Star Wars are kind of like there all the time. <laughs> the droids in Star Wars uh-huh. help move the story of Star Wars along more than the two quote unquote main characters of Final Fantasy twelve help move that storyline. Wow. That's that's saying a lot too. I mean, I've played enough to see that kind of thing because I've seen Bosch and Ash and all of this in there and noticed that they were they had really cool character designs that that they feel really awesome and epic and never connected to Vaughn and Pinello, but that makes total sense. Well, I'm glad I could blow your mind a little bit. So You did. So you that's did. Final Fantasy 12. Um there is a remaster coming out of it, so that yes. is another game that's actually up there for maybe we want to revisit this with you guys um if you're interested. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. So Final Fantasy 13. This one is another one you have played but not beaten, right? Yes, because I I love the story in this one. This is my kind of story that it tells. A story about religion and depression and science fiction meets fantasy. I love it so much. But there were two things that really put me off of it. Three things that put me off of this game more than anything. That it's super linear and not necessarily just with the the story that it, you know, it theme parks you through, but that you're literally running down corridors instead of being able to take different paths. I got really tired of that over and over. 
I really, truly despised the character Hope, that he was the quintessential whiny little boy, and he would not get over... Now, to be fair, he wouldn't get over his mother's death, but I'm like, dude, seriously, get over your mom's death, right? And I got really tired of hearing him do that. I'm like, kid, you, you're in a war. People die. Ah! Like, there was no kind of empathy there for him. I'm just like, shut up, or I will punch you in the throat. Did and- you play far enough to get sick of Snow talking about Sarah all the time? Uh, I did, yes. Okay. I, I did get tired of that. But that one didn't bother me as much because I was so hating on Hope that his talking about Sarah all the time made me be like, oh, that's quaint. At least she's, you know, she's not technically dead. And uh, it was, and then the battle system. Like, I like the battle system, but I also got bored with the battle system where it felt like a mix of 12. It was like they were trying to fix 12s somehow and halfway fixed it and didn't do it quite right. Yeah, so Final Fantasy 13, like you said, super linear. You can walk down corridors for like a good 30 hours of that game, just straight like corridors with no questions asked. And um, one of the positives we should mention, it has amazing visuals again. This is the first oh my goodness. one so on... Pretty. Yeah, so this was the first one for the like PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, that generation of systems. And again, it was kind of like genre defining for JRPGs on those systems. Like it was just beautiful at the time. It's still really, really good looking. If you go back and play it right now, Um, it's still pretty. It is. It's still very pretty. Then this is like, because of some of the things you mentioned, I actually think the story in this one is bad. Again, I don't know if you played enough to get to the point where I was fed up with it. I know what happens in it that I've read up on what happens and it's still my kind of story though. This is the kind of story I go seek out in novels. Okay, so if you only played the beginning part, like I I like parts of the beginning. My problem with it is that they start using so many of their own terminology like oh, that okay. they never actually explain in the main story and they start referring to so many things that you if you want to understand this story you actually have to go into like the data logs and just read entry after entry of basically like codex stuff and i hate that like that's not how you should tell a story you should tell a story through the game that you're playing you know what i mean that i do that was actually one of the reasons i actually did forget about that because i was spending more times in more time in menus than i was playing the game right because i was reading through it all because i cared about it It, okay it only gets worse as the game goes on and so i wasn't a huge fan of the story but i thought this game was okay i actually like the battle system more than you did the battle system in this one to me it's not about actually choosing your attacks it's about choosing which role you have assigned to which character and in which mm-hmm. combination because the way to optimally play this game is you just hit the button that tells your character to use all of their active time battle bar and automatically pick all of the optimal attacks because there's a button to do that in final mm-hmm. fantasy 13 you only need to worry about hitting the button to switch your party combination of roles around it becomes about like changing all your roles on the fly while you're in the middle of the game And that is kind of Final Fantasy 13 battle system to me. But I know that this is where a lot of hardcore like Final Fantasy fans started to fall off was with Final Fantasy 13. And it didn't help that they followed it up with Final Fantasy 13 2 and then Final Fantasy. Well, it's not called Final Fantasy 13, but it's the third one in the series called Lightning Returns, which is weird that they didn't call it Final Fantasy 13 and Lightning Returns, that that's just odd to me that they didn't do it. Yeah, absolutely. And 
so Final Fantasy 13 kind of lost some hardcore fans. It's why it's taken such a long time since like we got a good single player Final Fantasy game. A new one, Final Fantasy 15, has been in process for f- 10 years now. Before we get to that, Final Fantasy 14. So this is the second MMO Final Fantasy. I was surprised. I, I gave this one a shot because I hadn't ever tried it. And when I got to the end of my playthrough of 13 for my Final Fantasy project, it was kind of like, okay, why not give it a shot? You know, I knew I hated 11. I hoped that maybe they had done better. And I was surprised to find that 14 is a really good Final Fantasy game. Okay, now let me stop you here and ask, did you play Legacy Final Fantasy 14 where it was 1.0 or did you play A Realm Reborn with 2.0? That is a good point. I played Realm Reborn. So if you guys okay, don't know, this game launched and it failed hard. It failed so hard. Oh, so bad. So hard. They had to get a new like game director in and completely destroy the game. They scrapped essentially their entire game and they relaunched it again as Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn. And they took, I think what they did, as far as I understand it, is they took the events that like had taken place in that 1.0 version and mm-hmm. they just like pushed it back in history and they basically put an apocalypse in there and then started this like right after that new apocalypse had happened. Something along those lines. Yeah. Where they even went in so far as to re- redesign their zones, that they redesigned battle systems, they redesigned class systems, they added new classes, they changed up pretty much how people, you know, dungeons worked, how everything worked in this game to allow for you know people to actually want to play it yeah so i like this one a lot more than the other really good yeah it's a good game it's a good final fantasy game um it's not a single player game so that actually it still counts against it in my mind because i just i want my final fantasy games to be single player but this is one of the best mmos i played um i loved my time with it i i have to say it is true to the series roots you know Mm -hmm. final fantasy 11 to me it felt like they were trying to shoehorn in like Final Fantasy into an MMO. This yeah. one feels like it was designed in a way that really marries MMO and Final Fantasy. And it does feel like a legitimate Final Fantasy game to me. Yes, I feel like I'm a white mage running around casting cure on people. That it is not... I don't feel like I'm just playing a generic healer class that happens to be called White Mage. I love this game. The only there are a couple of qualms that I've had with it, and a lot of it comes because it is an MMO, like you said. Like it feels like really good Final Fantasy. You log in, and from the very opening cutscene, it is Final Fantasy. It is starting out a Final Fantasy game. Like I absolutely adore it for that, and I love that you can pretty much play it as a single player Final fantasy game if you really want to yeah you're gonna have to go do dungeons with some people to move through but there are auto group finders for that where you just queue up and wait and go do other quests but you can move through the main story and pretty much allow it to be a single player game as you're going through questing but it's just not as in-depth or intricate as most of the normal final fantasies are but the main thing that i really just hate about this game is the writing of the story the actual sentence level word choice stuff the nuts and bolts of the writing is so 
absolutely terrible on a <laughs> sentence by sentence basis that I started skipping cutscenes and stopped reading the dialogue because as someone who really and truly and honestly detests that the over the overly verbose kind of florid language of high fantasy that George R- I can't read George R. R. Martin for the same reason. I hated the way that this game was written. Like, I don't understand why. It's like somebody set out to write a Final Fantasy game and they were like, oh, this has fantasy in the title. I have to prove something. And then it's like, I want to be the next Tolkien, except they wrote it like if they were Tolkien with brain damage. See, it bugged me. Like, I I never even thought about this before now. Apparently, it really got under your skin a lot more. It really got under my skin. I hated it so much. And you know, I think for me, it's just like it's an MMO, so I give it slack where I wouldn't give a, a single player game slack. Um, right. It's just like, you know, Quest Text and MMO sucks. It just, it always does, you know, and the yeah. main story of this game gets really good. You, you know, that, that like nation level conflict that they tried to do in Final Fantasy 12 and they just, you know, your main characters are never part of it. This one actually succeeds in a nation-level yes. conflict. Your character becomes key to it. You know, you are the warrior of light, and you really, really feel like it, even though every other player character out there is also the warrior of light. But the fact that, like, when you are playing through it, and when you see the cutscenes for, like, the first time for each main story event, you feel like the warrior of light, and it's a huge mm-hmm. accomplishment in an MMO to be able to pull that off. I do not hesitate to say this is really, like, a main Final Fantasy game. Even though I don't like the MMO part so much, I still like this game. And I've still been thinking lately of going back and playing it, even though I'm pretty much like taking a hiatus from online gaming right now. I'm really thinking about playing this and because I haven't gotten through Heavensward, the first expansion. I haven't gotten into that story yet and experienced that content like you did because I resubscribed and bought it and then just kind of got bored with the very, very, very end of the Realm Reborn story and never pushed through while I was subscribed. So I need to do that again and see all of the Heavensward stuff because I've heard it's fantastic and that just seeing it and experiencing it and not treating it like an MMO. And that may be something I do within the next like coming months or something we could do with you listeners out there. Yeah. So those are all the Final Fantasy mainline games that are out right now. Final Fantasy 15 is coming out soon, but not soon, but not yet. Um, it just got delayed. It was supposed to be out very soon, actually, but now it's yeah. not coming out till like the end of November. So I'm sad about that. That was my most that was the game that I was most excited for this fall. And now it's more like uh, practically winter that we're going to get it. Yeah. Um, and but- you see, I'm actually excited about that. And it's a very selfish reason because I don't have a PlayStation 4, but there's a chance there's a small chance I'll get an early Christmas present around November 30th on Black Friday and be able to play Final Fantasy 15 with everybody else. And I would not be able to experience that if they hadn't delayed it. So while you're very sad and I empathize with you, I'm like, yeah, boy, Final Fantasy for Beach. Uh, that's great. So, yeah, OK, uh, so we legitimately have made it through half of our talking points for this episode. So here's what we're going to do. Yes. We are going to jump ahead to our weekly geekery, and this is going to become a two parter. We are going to talk more Final Fantasy next week. We have a lot of thoughts on various things now we've actually covered every game 
game by game, we're going to get in depth a little bit more about our favorites, our least favorites, um, a lot of thoughts about like remasters and MMOs and stuff like that, that we already touched on. We're going to dive in more depth next week because like I said, we have twice as many talking points as we just covered right now. So yes, with that said, it's probably time for our weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What do you have this week? Okay, so very fittingly, I, is that a is that a word? Fittingly, I have played Final Fantasy IX a whole lot this week. That I got the Vita, I've been playing it and just rediscovering my lost love of it because I realized it came out in 2000. Haven't played it since maybe 2004, so it's been over a decade since I've replayed through this one, and it's fantastic. Like everything we said earlier, just. I'm just gushing about how awesome it is. Uh, I also read a really fantastic article that I shared on Twitter. I'll include in the show notes about Chrono Cross because I just recently played through Chrono Trigger, the first one in that series, about how Chrono Cross is an absolutely terrible sequel, but an absolutely brilliant game. And I pretty much agreed and understood that because I wanted to go back and replay Chrono Cross from because I just finished up the original one and see how it tied together and I don't remember it tying together very well and the reason is because it doesn't and this is a very well written article that points that out but talks about just how good Chrono Cross is and that a lot of people have who've missed it need to play it and then I also want to uh, brag on my wife as my geekery this week um, she was nominated for the Shoals Woman of the Year Award which is a community a Woman of the Year Award in our community here with the four cities we're in That's awesome. and the banquet is tomorrow as of this recording so I don't know if she's won yet but <laughs> she so so i'll by the time you listen to this i will know whether she won uh but but right now no idea and what she wanted for her and she doesn't think she's gonna win she said there's a two percent chance of me winning this thing but uh, as her not shoals woman of the year award she wanted me to make her a cake from scratch which i'm really good i am one heck of a baker and she wanted me to make her a cake like Chris Hemsworth, who, the guy who plays Thor, like Chris Hemsworth made his daughter for her birthday when the bakery messed up her cake. And he made her the most delicious, rough looking, delicious looking, rough looking dinosaur cake that that I've ever seen. Just this truly wonderful homemade cake. And my wife wanted that cake. So I went out, my sister-in-law helped me get the exact same pan off of Amazon, and I've spent the day texting Void here pictures of the progress of this cake with M&Ms and shaped and icing and everything. So I will post a, a, my Pinterest-style nailed-it post with this, but uh, I'm, I'm geeking out because Void's daughter named him Bruce. So I'm geeking out about my wife being fantastic and awesome in our community, as, and so I'm rewarding her with Bruce the Dinosaur Cake. Yes, I appreciate the pictures, and I would definitely eat Bruce the Dinosaur Cake if it were in front of me. <laughs> um, and my, yeah, my dinner has been, you know, uncooked Bruce, uh, M&M's, uh, buttercream icing and cake batter since about three or four o'clock, like maybe two or three o'clock this afternoon. So if I seem a little bit hyper, it's because I'm running on sugar and pretty much nothing else right now. Yeah, I made a bunch of cookies yesterday and I've been eating cookies all day. It's fantastic. Um, yeah. so my geekery this week, um, I played the next wing of actually i predicted last last week that i would be listening to myself talk about 
Cars on Wing 3 mm-hmm. while I was listening to the episode and playing it, and that is exactly what happened. And I'm predicting again now that when I listen to this file when it comes out, that's probably what I'll be doing. Um, with So the last wing is going to be out this week. I still really like the single-player adventures in Hearthstone, but I've talked about those a lot the last few weeks. I have actually reached the end of my gaming backlog, so everything else is related to that, <gasps> basically. Uh, Bravely Second did not grab me the way that I wanted it to. I played a good five or six hours, and like the story okay. just it didn't grab me, even though I love the underlying systems of it. It's a game that I'm going to leave on my 3DS, and the next time I travel or you know something like that, it, it'll that just sense. click that I go, you know, that's the game for right now. So I don't regret my purchase because I can tell that it's good. I just, you know, not right now. I'm just not in the right mood for it, so I don't want to make myself hate it. I just need to set it down and come back to it later. So with that, I am literally at the end of my gaming backlog. I talked about my system for my backlog, you know, in episode whatever that was a long time ago. And that system worked for me. I've been working on it for the last year and a half and I'm like done, which is weird. It's super weird. I still have some books. I still have a couple like shows and movies, but I'm done with my gaming backlog and gaming is a huge part of what I do with my free time. So that's why last week I mentioned I subscribed to Gamefly. I have since turned around one set of games so i got two games in the mail i tried them both and i sent them both back so i tried star ocean um the last one the integrity and faithlessness just like we had talked about on the jrpg episode i've been wanting to try that one out i tried it and it ended up being a very generic fantasy setting and i kind of googled around about it and it turns out you have to play a bunch of that game to be able to get to the point where it actually opens up to being like a sci-fi mm. jrpg okay and the battle system was such generic action fantasy that i just i couldn't do it so that one got sent back and then i also got metroid prime federation force and okay this one i didn't immediately bounce off of as hard my problem with this one is that It definitely is a game that's made for multiplayer, and I don't have four people that I can sit around with and play it. And I tried to play online, but like the matchmaking just, it never found any matches for me. And I don't have a whole lot of friends that I can, you know, coordinate with at night to line up four people with 3DSs to all get into a game together. I just, I don't have a lifestyle that works with that. I'm taking care of my kids at night. You know, I'm always getting up from my gaming to help around the house and stuff. Like I can't dedicate a time and coordinate with people. So if you do have four people around you with 3DSs or you have friends online that you can, you know, set up a time, play Metroid Prime Federation Force together, it actually looked like it would be a good game in that case. It just not for me, not right now with my life. So I reverted to Evergreen Games. I've been playing a lot of Hearthstone multiplayer. I've been playing a lot of Overwatch, oh. kind of like my go-to games. While I've been doing that, instead of listening to the game audio, like I've admitted to so many times, I've been listening to audiobooks. So I'm actually re-listening to Harry Potter, and I just finished up book four last night. So it's been really interesting ah. to listen back to Harry Potter. They're so good. They are, and they get a lot better with book four. So mm-hmm. that one was good, and I'm excited to move on to book five probably tonight after we finish this podcast. Oh, awesome. I'm glad to uh, start getting more games coming back to me from Gamefly. I'm going to try out rapid fire, try out games here from Gamefly, which is exactly what I wanted to do with it. And I just want to let you guys know that speaking of Gamefly, we're recording this episode a couple of days earlier than we usually do. So 
he has already turned around those games. You're listening to this just a week later, I'm going to assume. He's turned them around within like two or three days. So he is really going through these games. Like, I believe Star Ocean was back in the mail the same day you got it, wasn't it? Or was it the next day? No, at this point in my gaming career, I'm really good at getting into a game and figuring out if it's for me or not. So Star Ocean was less than one day turnaround. It went back into the mail the same day that I got it. And, you know, that's after playing for a few hours that night. Like, you know, I tried it. And then Metroid Prime Federation Force, I spent two days with it, maybe. Okay. It it was back in the mail second day, essentially. And that's kind of how I wanted to use the Gamefly service. If I find a game that I play for more than, like, three days and I want to keep playing it, I'm just going to use that keep it button and, like, buy yeah, it basically sense. and i don't see that happening a lot because all the games that i really really was excited about i usually buy those for myself i'm i kind of queued up i have a queue of like 50 games that i put into gamefly and they are all these like b tier games that i've been wanting to try out and i think i talked about this last time but i would say about one in every 20 or so might actually like hook me and get me to buy it so ah. we'll see as we go along, but I anticipate turning games around very quickly. Totally see that. Oh, and then the other thing, I got a tiny shoulder pig, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's all you say on that. No, we have we have guinea pigs, and um, <laughs> we, we've been looking. Yes, you're just laughing in the background. We've been looking to uh, increase our little herd by one. So we have two pigs that we rescued because our kids were, were, our kids were old enough. They really wanted pets. And my wife and I looked at, you know, what pets we could get for our house and our space. And especially for how much work we wanted to put into it, we did not want to put in enough work to buy a cat or a dog because our kids are just old enough now that they don't constantly need our attention. And we can't go back to that with a puppy. Like, um, (laughs) yeah. And so we decided, okay, we want mammals. So we started looking at mammals because we wanted something we could cuddle and actually like be affectionate with. I I know you can be affectionate with other pets, but we wanted a mammal and so my wife did all the research and we kind of landed on guinea pigs. So we found guinea pigs. And then what we did was that we actually went and we rescued two of them from a guinea pig rescue huh. that was in the area. You know, just like you can go to a dog shelter instead of going to a breeder or going to right. a pet store. Yeah. Yeah. So we went to a rescue and we rescued a pair. Ah, so they are that's very, awesome. Yeah. They're social creatures. So you have to get them in pairs at the very least. They have to kind of have a little herd. So there were two of them. And if you get them and they're already bonded, then basically they know like the pecking order of the herd and they're not going to fight with each other. So if you just take any two random like adult guinea pigs and put them together, they will fight for territory. These were two that we rescued. They were already their own little herd. So they got along well. So we've had those two and we've wanted to add a third. We've kind of been on the lookout. And this week when my wife was picking up some other stuff at Petco, she saw this little tiny baby pig and he was perfect. He's and, so cute. <laughs> yeah. So you can introduce a baby pig into the herd and it'll just like integrate because it automatically goes at the bottom of the pecking order. You can't just get another adult and put it in because, again, they'll fight and like, you know, try to kill each other sometimes. Hopefully not that much. But <laughs> we got a tiny little baby pig. So he's eight weeks old. And at night he just likes to sit with me. And a lot of the time I've just been putting him on my shoulder. Shoulder pig. Shoulder pig. 
does whatever a shoulder pig does. I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm <laughs> so sorry. I've been sending BJ pictures at night of me playing Hearthstone or Overwatch, <laughs> listening to Harry Potter books with this shoulder pig just perched on my shoulder, hanging out with me. He's super he, awesome. He's super adorable. Oh, and he's named Hamilton. So of course he is. Of course he is. Why would you name him anything else? We've been calling him Hammy. His name. We might end up starting calling him Ham. I don't know. We'll see. But Alexander Hamel Pig. Oh, that's good too. No, his name's Hamilton. No, it's already decided. My kids have latched onto it, so there's no changing it now. If I could change it, we might change his name to Tribble because he's a breed. Uh, of, he does. He's yeah. He's one of the breeds of guinea pigs that has the hair that has like cowlicks all over. If you if you Google Addison pig or Ab- Abyssin, Abyssinian, something like that. Abyssinian, I think. Yeah, yeah. They just have these like cowlicks of hair all over. It's crazy. Basically, if you don't see his eyes, he looks exactly like a Tribble. So mm-hmm. I could rename him he Tribble does. if the kids didn't already know his real name. So yeah, sorry. Pig tangent there. I have a tiny little shoulder pig and he's amazing. <clears throat> Hashtag pig tangent. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think we've got a little long this week. Um, that's okay because we talked about Final Fantasy and I don't mind editing an extra long episode if it's about Final Fantasy. We this will talk true. Final Fantasy again next week. And you know what? If you have any thoughts about Final Fantasy as a series, anything you want us to answer your questions about Final Fantasy or you want to know our thoughts about it, send them to us because we are going to do another episode on it next week. You can write to us with, you know, at the normal place with comments, suggestions, or feedback. So our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or you can send that to us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We will see it. I will throw it into a document and we'll make sure to like answer your questions and talk about what you want us to talk about in Final Fantasy next week. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to open that up. I didn't plan on that, but we'll go with it. Yeah, yeah. And geek2geekcast at on twitter tends to be the better place to get us just so you guys know if you guys haven't reached if you guys have reached out to us we're probably worse at checking the email than we are at twitter this because is true. We're, we pretty much live on twitter like that is that's like my home yes this so is very true we're there so so yell at us on twitter let us know what you want us to talk about next week on final fantasy and you know we will and if you want to get any kind of email updates about the rest of our network's podcast, you can sign up at geek2geekcast.net and tell us which shows you want updates about. I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. Um, that's another good place if you want to just send questions directly to me. I will get them there and throw them into the document. Otherwise, I also run the Video Game News Now podcast. If you're interested in video game headline news done quickly, you can check that out in all the normal podcast places. And if you want to tweet me whatever you're thinking about Final Fantasy, I'm at Professor Beej. That's Beej with the two E's I stole from his green mushroom. And I host the Geek Fitness Health Hacks podcast. Uh, which you can find at geekfitness.net and you know i also have some really cool science fiction books at bjkeaton.com so you know you can go go grab those there and you know buy me a coffee we've been void and beige with your geek geek podcast that'll do it for this week see you next week geeks bye And I host the video game. Nope, I don't. And I host the Geek. <laughs> and I host the Geek Fitness Health Hacks podcast that you can find at all your normal pod. Nope. Uh, sugar.